we can we can dig out on science. I'm not like incredibly scientifically oriented, you know. I think I'm more experientially oriented. Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. Matt Sinkovitz overcame a 20-plus year long compulsive relationship with porn and helped similar men do the same thing through his online Facebook support community, Porn to Purpose, and the 90-Day Liberation Bootcamp, as well as the 7-Day Porn Abstinence Challenge. So first, I'd like to say Matt's a really nice guy. I enjoyed our talks, even though I'm strictly evidence-based and Matt is far more experiential in how he approaches helping others. Being me, I'd like to discuss two papers on porn abstinence from the literature briefly before we get into session. Since I'm not a sex researcher by training, I wasn't super familiar with journals, but fortunately my molecular bio degree taught me how to look at journal impact factors. They get used to rank how important journals are, so basically anything over a 10 is the gold standard for excellence, but sort of the silver standard for what, you know, what a great journal is, or at least a, a really good journal, is usually anything over three for most disciplines. Of course, it does vary subject to subject based Based on how important slash I shouldn't say important how popular a subject is as well as how many journals cover it and many other factors but uh, there's a link in the show notes if you want to look up um, what a good impact factor is for a journal and yeah you can also google it according to a paper published in the archive of sexual behavior they have a journal impact factor of 3.458 which is really good um, it was written by Zimmer and Imhoff published in 2020 so very recent um, called, well, very recent two years, called Abstinence from Masturbation and Hypersexuality. There is a, quote, lack of evidence for negative health effects of masturbation, end quote, where they suggest these ideas of abstinence from masturbation um, tend to stem from, quote, perceived problems with pornography, end quote, um, as well as the notion that these perceived problems, quote, stem from a psychological and behavioral addiction end quote where in the paper they put the word addiction in quotation marks so here's the crooks the same paper goes on to say quote higher abstinence motivation was related to a higher perceived impact of masturbation conservatism and religiosity and to lower trust in science end quote and again that was abstinence for masturbation and hypersexuality published by zimmer nimhoff in the archive of sexual behavior in 2020 and the link is in the show notes so basically that one article summarizes my perspective on it. Addiction in quotations where higher abstinence motivation is related to higher perceived impact of masturbation. Um, it's related to conservatism, religiosity, and to lower trust in science. The biggest argument they seem to struggle with is whether or not abstinence in men is healthy. Um, because really it, it doesn't matter to them, I think, why they're doing it. It's just a question of does this work? Like, is this positive in my experience? Which is a valid way to look at things. 
So I think whether or not it's healthy depends a lot on the length of abstinence, um, how old a person is, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not a doctor and this isn't medical advice, but uh, in, sex, in Sexual Factors and Prostate Cancer, which is an article written by Giles et al. published in the British Journal of Urology, their journal impact factor is 5.588. Men under 70 at diagnosis with prostate cancer were compared to age-matched control subjects who did not have prostate cancer, and they were asked about their masturbation habits for each of the decades of their life. And there was no association of prostate cancer with number of sexual partners or with maximum number of ejaculations in 24 hours. But there was a negative trend um, for the association between risk factor for prostate cancer and the number of ejaculations in the third decade, independent of those in the fourth and fifth. Uh, men who averaged five or more ejaculations weekly in their 20s had an odds ratio with a 95% confidence interval of 0.66 compared to those who ejaculated less often. So what that means is there seems to be an association of men who got off at least five times a week in their 20s with having a lower risk of prostate cancer. And it's a pretty significant risk. Like they have essentially two thirds of the risk of men who did not get off at least five times a week. Now, that's not to say that any of those men needed to use pornography at all to get off. Um, it's not to say they even had to masturbate. Um, it, it, and it's also just one study, although it is from a good journal and it does look like it's you know reasonably constructed. For some, however, masturbating seems to cause psychological distress, compulsion, or other disturbances. Typically, I only suggest evidence-based solutions, so you can think about counseling like cognitive behavioral therapy, CBT, eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, EMDR, especially if you're dealing with trauma, interpersonal therapy, IPT, mindfulness training, which is um, a part of what Matt does, assertiveness training, and the list goes on. There's lots of different kinds of evidence-based solutions. If it's not hurting anyone, I always lean on the side of do what's right for you and enjoy your life. So for some folks, porn abstinence seems to be what they say worked for them. If they say the risk of prostate cancer isn't significant compared to the risk of emotional or mental distress, I think that's their call to make. If abstinence helps them deal with their underlying issues, be that you know, self-esteem, depression, or others, even just having a really cluttered mind that isn't able to focus because um, maybe they, they are really caught up in their thoughts, I applaud anyone for making those efforts. It's really not easy to face your stuff, and everyone's got stuff. Um, either abstinence or facing your stuff, neither of those things are particularly easy. So this episode is not saying that masturbation or pornography or abstinence are bad things for everyone. It's more focused on a cost-benefit analysis. It's more focused on like risk profiles, right? What do you need to feel well? So it's about those folks who strongly believe that their compulsive pornography use was damaging to their lives or relationships and that abstinence was right for them. As a quick sidebar, since this was our first call and we were live, I didn't correct Matt on using my pronouns um, as I didn't want him to feel that I was vilifying him or essentially I didn't want him to be thrown off balance. I wanted him to be able to sort of give his best performance. So as a result, I just went with he, him pronouns for our two sessions, which was weird, but not bad. Um, when I brought it up with him after, he was really great about it. If you want to hear that conversation, it's at the end of our second session, which as of this episode being released isn't out yet, but will be out soon. Again, he's a really nice person, and he shares with us today about his story and talks a little about the men he helps here on Intimate Interactions. Welcome, everyone, to a session of Intimate Interactions. I'd like to introduce Matt Sinkovitz, a practitioner and teacher of personal and spiritual development over the last decade. 
an avid student of mindfulness and meditation, Matt graduated from the Blue Mountain School of Mindfulness Arts Seminary Program in May 2018 with a master's in Buddhist ministry and was an ordained Osho priest in May 2019. Is that is that right, Matt? Yes, that is correct, Victor. Awesome. And you now work, um, or I should say, serve as a spiritual guide and interfaith chaplain in prisons and hospitals. Yes, I, I, I've, um, I've taken... I haven't been doing that as much recently, but uh, up, up until last year, I was very active doing uh, interfaith uh, hospital work, and I spent a bunch of time in prisons as well, serving as a chaplain and a spiritual advisor. Yes, absolutely, mindfulness counselor. Cool. Yeah, brother. Yeah, no, that's that's super interesting. So we were going to talk today a little bit about porn and sex and masturbation, and I'm I'm uh-huh. super interested to get into it. I I did do a little bit of research just in advance because. Uh, you know, I have sort of had passing conversations with folks that are more involved in, as you mentioned earlier in our um, pre-show, more extreme movements like NoFap that tend to have like a, a lot more of a stricter approach to things like masturbation. So I, I sort of did a lot of research on, you know, like, okay, well, is, is there any research to suggest that masturbation is, you know, a bad thing? And, and the TLDR is basically I didn't come across any research that said that it was. Um, how, however, I'm not averse to um, something you mentioned as well, which was sort of a reset period or, an, or almost like a resensitization period where you allow your body to kind of, I guess, sort of communicate with you and sort of let you know where it's at. And you kind of get to feel back into that sort of experience of arousal without masturbation or, um, or sex. Mm-hmm. Yeah. T- tell me more yeah, about that. Be really... Yeah, it, it could be a really healthy part of the of the of the of the process. You know, um, some of what uh, we do. So I'm a porn abstinence accountability mm-hmm. coach. It's kind of like the name for I come up for what I've for what I do. And and, and I'm and essentially I, I coach men in overcoming porn addiction. And uh, <clears throat> oftentimes, a, a big part of our process. Well, we certainly we certainly teach. And encourage porn abstinence. You know, abstinence from porn as a big part of the process. It's like, it's like an alcoholic, right? Oftentimes, you know, you know, some people can drink casually and they don't have an issue with it, right? You know, like they can have a couple beers on the weekend, which I like to do. You know, um, it doesn't turn into a problem. But some people have one one drink and it turns into chaos and destruction. You know, mm-hmm. and some people have a similar relationship with porn. Some people can manage a healthy relationship with it. It's something that they, maybe they're not drawn to at all. Maybe it's something they engage in once a month or even once in a while with a partner and some, some couples enjoy it. Women seem to be able to maintain a healthy relationship with it. But some people it has, they just developed this really unhealthy kind of toxic relationship with it. And those are the men that uh, I work with. Um, and, and there's detriment to many areas of the life, which we can talk about as well. Um, but, um, yeah, we do, uh, for that work, we definitely do teach abstinence from porn. Um, and, and as, as we were kind of sharing on the, on the, on the pre-show, Victor, you know, um, I think there may be a place for, for healthy, um, relationship with masturbation, certainly sex um, during that period. But yeah, oftentimes, uh, certainly we encourage abstinence from porn fully. Um, and and uh, oftentimes there's a reboot period, 30, 60, 90 days of, of, of maybe no masturbation, um, potentially no, no, no sexual, um, you know, relation at the time um it, re- it really comes down to, to what what the guy feels like he he may be needing some guys come into our program and they have just this really 
compulsive relationship with porn and masturbation, maybe up to four or five times a day. And they're like, yeah, I'm really just needing this reset period. I want to take a step back and cultivate a different relationship with my sexuality. So really each case, it's really case by case. I know you did a lot of research coming into this, which I appreciate. One of the books we have as part of our curriculum is uh, Your Brain on Porn. I don't know if you came across that in any of your in any of your work, but that really teaches, uh, speaks to a lot of the science behind this and really encourages for guys dealing in, in sex addiction, porn addiction, compulsive masturbation, and maybe they're starting to see effects of that in terms of ED and, and just different dysfunction in the bedroom that, yeah, that longer reset or reboot period uh, may be a critical part of the process. And that's what the no fat people are, are, are teaching is big, long stretches of, of no masturbation whatsoever. So mm-hmm. long answer. No, it's, it's a good answer. It's um, and, and like I said, it's, I'm very mindful of being an extremely science-minded individual, and I, I do tend to favor the research heavily. Having said that, there is still value for me, I think, in in really hearing out sort of more of an experiential perspective and sort of um, just sort of listening to other um, – I, I guess the, the best way to frame this is most of the studies out there tend to be correlative studies, so they tend to study large groups of people – and say, okay, these two things are happening at the same time, and we think there might be a cause. And, I mean, the knife kind of cuts both ways, right? Because you can have individuals that are struggling with compulsion and say, you know, like, okay, it might be this thing, it might be that thing, but ultimately, if we're able to cut out this behavior that's negatively affecting their life, regardless of what it is, this will improve their quality of life. You know what I mean? And it, it it's like, it doesn't really matter if it is the porn, if getting rid of the porn helps the individual in question. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah, man. It's really interesting to, you know, a a lot of guys that come to me, uh, most of them have identified that correlation. They've begun to see, okay, I'm feeling really good. Maybe I'm abstinent from porn for a couple days, a couple weeks, maybe even a couple months. And then I go back to it and I I find myself back in that pit, in that cycle. And uh, they begin to see, like, I was feeling good before. Now with porn, again, present in my life, now I'm you know, all, all, I'm experiencing all the stuff that that porn has a tendency to do. You know, the emotional distress, the spiritual, the psychological, the physical, you know, uh, effects. So they begin to kind of put two and two together, mm-hmm. um, which kind of helps illuminate the correlation. Mm-hmm. To point. Yeah, yeah, and and as, as an example of how um, kind of funny some of the correlations get, there was one correlative study that said men ejaculating five times a week or more in their 20s showed a reduced risk of prostate cancer by about a third in their older age. And I'm like, OK, yeah. but for all we know, you know, men that, that tended to do so less also, you know, maybe they were more conservative in other areas of their life, ate less vegetables, et cetera. Like there's there's really it's not clear to make such a generalized kind of observation. It's like, well, it's great right. that we made the observation, but it doesn't really tell us much. Yeah, that's really interesting. You know, uh, so I, I, I do spend time around the uh, NoFap community. Of course, I got a lot of those guys in our community. There's the whole semen retention uh, conversation. You know, it's the whole transmutation of sex energy conversation which i'm a big fan of i do think that there is a power uh in our in our sex energy you know it's like like there's like this old school like suggestion for fighters not to have sex mm-hmm. within a certain uh, period of time before a fight because there does seem to be a power um in it you know so um i i think there's potential 
value in in that com in, in that conversation, and, and we definitely see you know correlation there. Um, so yeah, I I, I see um, I've I've experienced a lot for myself, and, and I definitely practice like this kind of less ejaculation seeming to like it keeps me more focused, more mm -hmm. in my power, more in flow, more in momentum. Um, so there's definitely something ab about not just you know um, sure. Oh, you, but you were kind of touching on the, on the uh, you were kind of touching on the uh, prostate thing, uh, cancer thing, and and I just wanted to say that, um, yeah, there have been times when maybe I've gone several months at a time with no ejaculation. Maybe I wasn't in a I was not in a relationship, so I was like, all right, I'm going to use this time. Of course, no porn, no um, no no masturbation. I'm going to see what the experience is for myself, and then I kind of like hear these studies creep up about yeah, but you should ejaculate regularly because if, if not, it increases the potential of, of, of uh, prostate cancer. So I don't really know. I've uh, thankfully I've been okay so far. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm mindful to make a, I'm, I'm being really cautious about making a comment about prostate cancer because honestly I haven't done the research. I just, I came across that one paper and in isolation, the one paper just felt like it was sort of being like, here's this observation. And it didn't really tell yeah, me very common, much. Yeah. That's a common rebuttal to that to that uh, practice I've, I've heard you know yeah and and i'm i'm sure if it's a common rebuttal there's probably some information somewhere i could dig up and and do better research um and and sort of throw it in the show somewhere but uh what was i going to say i can't even remember now um oh we were talking about fighters not ejaculating before fights so i haven't again i haven't dug into the research but my understanding is your testosterone levels drop a little bit um, when you get off. So it's it's not so much advised for female um, fighters as it is for assigned male birth people. Um, mm. So for mask fighters going into a fight, it is advised that they do not have sex or get off before a yeah. fight. And I think it relates to testosterone levels. It's really interesting, man. It's like, okay, I, I, I would hear that when I was younger, but I didn't really get it. But again, as I've grown, as I've become more aware, I've become, as I've begun to kind of... Uh, you know, implement some of these practices and try some of these things on for size. Yeah, I do notice. It's like it's like you notice, uh, Victor. Like maybe after after sex, after ejaculation, there's a tendency for the male to need a rest period. You know what I mean? Um, certainly, it, it, it could be in the form of sleep. It could be in the form of maybe needing to take a break before you know more more sexual activity. Um, oftentimes, like I know if like a, if, if I'm you know sexually active, like in the morning. You know, uh, like maybe if my girlfriend were to stay over on a weeknight or something like that and we are sexually active in the morning, I notice, you know, like I just don't have that that same oomph that, that I would if, if I hadn't ejaculated. There does seem to be an energetic release that takes some some time to rebuild. Again, that's kind of the experiential mm -hmm. uh, aspect of it for me, just what I've just my, my own direct experience with that conversation. Yeah, no, I would say that's consistent with my experience as well. Like I, I find that when I when I have sex, it is often vigorous and requires a lot of my, you know, muscular strength and, and, and energy and following that i feel almost sedate like i'm very contented and peaceful for sure yeah um great so that's that's a lot um of information just all sort of information about you i'm curious to talk a little bit more about what it's like for and i don't know how much you can say without um breaking any confidence but sort of what it's like for the types of men that you work with and um yeah, I was just wondering if you could speak more about that, like the detriments and like where some people get mm -hmm. to with compulsive, um, essentially, um, use of porn. 
Yeah, so that's a big, wide conversation, you know. And so I'll just kind of generally speak to some of my experience. Um, mm -hmm. So I run a large, uh, pretty large um, community, a, a Facebook community of about 900 men. We're, we'll hit a thousand here in the next couple of weeks. It's called Porn to Purpose, and um, that's that's a private men's only Facebook community. And then I also run a coaching uh, organization where actually men come in and do like this 90 day, it's called the 90 day liberation Boot Camp, which is a real intensive kind of like a program where, where we teach guys everything they need to, to really shift this compulsive behavior and relationship with porn for, for, for the long term, you know? Um, so with that, I get a lot of, I got, I get, I get, I have conversations every single day with men dealing with this. I get to observe conversation within our community. Of course, I get to observe the conversation going on in, inside of our coaching groups and, 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 the, and the discussion that we're having there. So I do get a really a firsthand look at this very regularly. And some of the common, um, I, I guess what we see, so, so like what drives a man to this or what, at what point does a man have a compulsive or unhealthy relationship with porn? You know, we could talk about what are some of those symptoms or what are some of those signs and, and, and what are men seeing. Um, but, but some of the common impacts that we see, um, you know, effects on energy levels, effects on mental clarity, effects on productivity at work, um, effects on focus, effects on ability to maintain momentum, oftentimes at work or in projects. Um, so that's just the physical and energetic. We see big emotional impacts oftentimes. And again, the reasons for that could be, could be broad, you know, um, but emotional impacts, um, depression, low self-esteem, low self-confidence, um, a sense of disconnectedness, um, anxiety, um, you know, so a lot of emotional disruption we, we see as a result of this. Um, we see a lot of, um, impacts on relationships, intimate relationships, um, you know, men having this compulsive relationship with pornography. Um, so they're masturbating throughout the day. And then when it comes time for them to, to connect with their partner, um, they don't have the interest, or they don't have the energy, or they don't have the drive for it. Um, it creates a lot of secrecy and, and hiding within relationships. Uh, porn, you know, I look at the, the spiritual, I look at the, the energetics, the stuff that we can't always see. I think it throws, if, if a guy has a real kind of compulsive, regular relationship with porn, I think it throws him off energetically. So sexually, he's showing up differently. Spiritually, he's showing up differently. Energetically, he's just kind of off. And I think women can oftentimes sense that. Oftentimes it, it creates, uh, you know, men have like a sh shorter, um, shorter like tempers you know like less tolerance of just stuff in, in life um it definitely affects i think uh, a man's presence within relationship presence within the household um i hear guys saying you know i'm down in the basement where i'm supposed to be working a lot of guys working from home these days you know i'm down there looking at porn and my wife and kids are upstairs you know what i mean mm -hmm. um so a lot of times it affects a man's sense of responsibility as a father as a husband like man I know this is not healthy for my kids to be getting involved. And again, especially kids are getting involved in porn younger and younger. We're seeing because of the access to it on their phones and the internet. Mm -hmm. um, so like fathers feeling called to lead their children in this, but they can't lead their children from a place of integrity because it's not resolved in their own lives. Right. Um, shame that can result from that. Uh, you know, men feeling like, man, I'm, I'm feeling like a real creep because of where my porn habit has taken me. Right. And the places I'm going, 
um, in my porn habit. And then I've got this daughter at home and I certainly don't want her ending up with a guy like me, but I can't be the example of the kind of guy I want her to be because I'm not, I'm not living that, you know? So those are just a couple impacts, man. I could go on and on, but sure. we'll just start there. Sure. The yeah. For you. It, it sounds like, like that compulsion leads to really unhealthy places for some people just to sort of summarize like that. I heard what you were saying. Um, for, for me personally, like, like you were mentioning earlier that there really is a difference between some folks that are able to have a casual drink and some folks that, you know, one drink disrupts their entire life and relationships. Um, for me, I find that I, I show up, um, you know, after having masturbated with a lot more peace and calm and I find that women sense that. So when I, when I am with women, because I'm, I'm, you know, queer, so I'm not always with women, but when I am with women, um, showing up, having masturbated, I find that I'm. I'm a lot less eager. And what that does is create the space for teasing and suggestion and flirting. And I find that that can create like this really wonderful experience where I get to like mm. pace and adjust to their pace and be a lot more responsive and connected instead of just being like, oh, I really want, th- I really wanted to have this experience. And it's been a long yeah. time since I've had this experience. So for me, I, as a person with ADHD, it, it really gives me the patience I need to, <laughs> to sort of show up present. Mm, very interesting, brother. Yeah. For, you know, all, if you don't mind, I'll just share. Yeah, like, yeah, go for, for it. me, for me, uh, I, I find that it kind of lessens my drive. Like I kind of like that primal kind of masculine uh, instinct that that drive and that kind of desire which when i've recently ejaculated i kind of lose for a while mm, you know mm-hmm. i like that kind of that little bit of an edge that i feel like if, if i haven't ejaculated for a long period of time like sure. i like that edge that i kind of feel that vigor yeah um and, and and i think i show up uh in a very healthy present conscious mindful way with women mm-hmm. i think women generally feel very safe they know I think generally they, they sense I'm not just out to get it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, but I still enjoy the, the tension, mm-hmm. you know, that I experience within that dynamic whenever I, whenever I haven't recently released, you know, I, I feel like I just kind of like that a little bit more um, mm-hmm. versus the, just the feeling of just having ejaculated and feeling no kind of, or, or lesser sense of kind of passion or, or desire. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's just kind of like my experience with it. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's it's just really interesting because I think we have this uh, bias as human beings to see other people as being inherently more like ourselves than different. And like, I think that's a really good thing because it helps us maintain cohesive communities because we tend to be like, oh, you know, they're actually OK. They didn't really mean that thing. They, they're just they just, you know, they're kind of just like when I screw up, like they just they didn't mean that thing. So like it's it's a positive thing for humans to have. But then it also gives us this blind side where sometimes we don't we don't see other communities as being, in fact, as uh as different as they are and see that that isn't as scary as we might think it is. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, That's an awesome place to end our first session. Uh, So thank you so much for being on this episode of Intimate Interactions with me, Matt. Victor, it's a pleasure, brother. Thank you. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com forward slash Intimate Victor or tweet me at Intimate Victor or follow my Instagram, you guessed it, at Intimate Victor. If you can spare the cost of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a review anywhere online, especially iTunes. Or you can just tell a friend. The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords, and played by an AI-rendered saxophonist. 
The closing music is Gymnopédie Number no. 1 by Alex Satie. Both are provided royalty-free, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with the intimate, rich interactions you crave. Be well. <laughs>